0: Welcome to the Fertility Journeys podcast. Here's
1: Dr. Shawla Salem. Mindfulness and meditation expert, Josephine Atlery. Mindfulness is awareness. It's an awareness of yourself, your environments, everything. If you have mindfulness, awareness as the foundation for everything in your life, then it touches upon all of those things. If you're aware of how you're feeling, you're going through IVF, let's say, you wake up and you're Asking yourself these mindful questions, like, okay, how am I feeling today? Maybe I wake up and I feel really sad. I'm about to go in for some blood work and I don't feel good about it. Being aware of that, you can now at least know. Maybe you can tell your partner, your counselor, your coach. You can also pull out your toolkit, whether it's a physical or a mental one. What can I do to boost myself up in this moment? Or maybe giving myself a timeout, a pause so that I can just experience this and then shift to something else. I know the fertility journey is not easy.
0: Many suffer in silence, walking that line between hope and devastation. More often than we know, the path to building a family is met with challenges. I'm Dr. Shala Salem and for over a decade, I have been helping people just like you on their fertility journey. As a physician and a PCOS warrior who's gone through my own fertility struggles, I am passionate about helping to support your mental and physical well-being, foster your resilience and help you maintain your sense of self on this difficult journey. I created this podcast to support you. Each week, you can learn from our expert guests about proven holistic and integrative methods to nurture your mind, body and spirit, and hear women share their own stories to remind you that you are not alone. Welcome to Fertility Journeys.
2: Fertility Journeys Life Hacks.
0: Here's the tip of the week. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Josephine At-Lurie, a mindfulness and meditation expert. And before I get into our interview, I wanted to share with you a five-minute guided meditation that Josephine was kind enough to walk me through, and so I'm sharing it with you today. I hope you enjoy it and find it as relaxing as I did. If you are driving or distracted this is something that you'll want to come back to at a later time when you're in a quiet, comfortable space where you can really focus on the meditation. Mindfulness is the practice of paying attention to the present moment with no judgment. And I think it's really important for those who are navigating the fertility journey. Welcome, Josephine At-Lurie. Would you be open to leading us in the guided meditation today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So this is one that you can always pull up when you're at the doctor's office. So you're in the waiting room. It'll just be a few minutes. So close your eyes. Once you feel ready, gently taking a deep breath in,
2: breathing in through your nose. And then gently letting the breath go out of your mouth.
1: Doing that again. A long and slow inhale through your
2: nose. And this time, as you exhale, making an audible sigh out of your mouth. Now just allow your breath to return to a pace that feels good to you in this moment.
1: With every inhale that you take, begin to notice how your body is feeling in this moment. Begin to witness the
2: rise and fall of your body with every inhale that you take and every breath that you release. Knowing that everything outside of this
1: moment, all the obligations, the tasks, all the people, all of that remain exactly where they need to be outside of this
2: moment. And right now, it's just you and your breath in this space, prioritizing you and your self-care,
1: nourishing yourself with every inhale that you bring into your
2: body, with every exhale that you release. Imagine when you inhale, filling
1: up the far corners of your body with that new and energizing breath. And as you exhale, really accentuating and extending that exhale out. And picture yourself blowing out any of that tension, any of that stress that you may be feeling today anything you may be holding on to from the past, just let it all go.
2: Use that exhale to release. And as you exhale, feel yourself melting into the ground beneath you. And as you release that tension and stress, feeling that calm start to bubble up, And take over your being. And knowing that calm is always within reach. It's always within you. And you bring it out with every breath that you take. And the beauty is you always have your breath at your disposal. And you can take it anywhere you need to go. So take another deep breath in, filling up with that beautiful breath. And using that exhale to release and just let go. And now reminding ourselves of a mantra, of an affirmation. I am enough. Just gently repeating these powerful words to
1: yourself. So allowing them to float almost in the back of your mind, reminding yourself that you are enough. That your circumstances, anything that's happened to you in the past, they don't define you. You're doing everything that you can.
2: You're a beautiful person inside and out and you are enough. Breathe in those words. Allowing it to take root within. and Then gently exhaling out.
1: Before meditation comes to a close, calling to mind one thing that you're grateful for today. Something big, something small, whatever it is. Once you've locked that into your mind on your next inhale, breathe in that gratitude into your being filling up with the happiness, with the joy that it makes you feel and allowing that to spread out into the far corners of your being, filling you up with this joy and then just releasing that breath. To return back to the space that you're in, just begin to wiggle your fingers and toes. And whenever you feel ready, no rush, gently opening your eyes. Allow the calm that you cultivated here in this moment to just ripple out through the remainder of your day. And remembering that you can always return back to this beautiful feeling that you created simply by utilizing your breath, slowing it down, and tapping into the calm that we all have with it.
0: Thank you so much. That was beautiful.
1: Oh, you're welcome.
0: One of my favorite quotes is from Thich Han: People sacrifice the present for the future, but life is only available in the present. This quote is something that really speaks to me because I am truly guilty of living in the future. We've all been there with those thoughts. When this happens, I'll be happy. When that happens, I can finally relax. But we never manage to really live in the present. Mindfulness is the practice of paying attention to the present moment, with no judgment. And I think it's really important for those who are navigating the fertility journey because so often we're stuck looking towards the future and not really paying attention to the present. And so I wanted to bring on an expert who could help us learn more about the importance of mindfulness and meditation on the fertility
1: journey. Welcome, Josephine at Lurie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Yeah, thank you for being here.
0: I really appreciate it. You are a mindfulness and meditation coach, but you didn't start out on that path. How did you find yourself in this line of work?
1: I never imagined this in my wildest dreams. I was actually in consulting and then maybe a year into starting IVF, I stopped working and then didn't return back to work until I had three kids. And It was at that point when I fused together balancing a family and then trying to work that it just got very chaotic. I was working in health and and nutrition, but knew that there was a missing piece, a piece about addressing one's mental and emotional well-being. And I started to look into that for work, but also for myself. Someone, a friend of mine told me to try meditation and I told her that it wasn't for me because I couldn't turn my mind off. And she was forceful enough that I tried out one of the many apps that's wonderful that we have so many out there. I tried one that was a three minute long audio recording and I became hooked after that. I think it was the first time that I had actually taken a moment to pause for myself and in a very different way than I was used to. And after that, I just, I had to have more of that experience, eventually leading up to a point where I took a teacher training class with no intention of teaching. And lo and behold, afterwards, I wanted to teach because I just Mm -hmm. had to share this with everyone. And in starting to teach, I realized that the communities that I was a part of, both parenting and the infertility world, would really benefit from all of the tools and techniques that I picked up along this journey of mine, along this mindfulness and meditation journey that I had and wish that I had these tools back when I was going through my own path to parenthood. And so that's how I'm here today speaking with you because I started to fuse all those pieces together and have really made an emphasis on fertility mindfulness with my work. Yeah, I think that's amazing because Unfortunately, you're right that
0: there's not a lot of attention that's paid to the mind and body connection, right? It's like separate pieces. We think like we just need to go through treatment, just take care of your body, and we don't pay attention to what's going on in our minds. So I think that's one of the reasons the work you're doing is so amazing and so needed. And so,
1: yeah, thank you for doing that. My pleasure. It's been wonderful to be able to pay it forward because back when I can still remember, even though it not that long ago, going through mm-hmm. my own fertility journey and how I would have appreciated even just the tiny bit of help from someone who understood what I was going through.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on besides your expertise in mindfulness meditation is that you're open about your fertility journey and how there are so many paths to family, which isn't something that First off, some people don't know about and some people don't have a full understanding. And it's not something that we talk about openly all the time, all the different paths that
1: can create family. Would you be able to share some of your fertility journey with us today? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. My husband and I knew that we would have to pursue IVF the moment we wanted to build our family because of an illness that he had back when we were dating and he had been married. And so we didn't do much research. We were living in Boston. We were surrounded by these amazing hospitals. And so we thought that one of them would do the trick. We worked with them for about two years, back-to-back cycles, never working out. And then we decided mm-hmm. to switch facilities to a smaller practice, also in Boston, and we became pregnant with twins. And at that point, I thought, oh, I can finally breathe a sigh of relief, especially as we made it into the second trimester. But you know, in the second trimester at 17 weeks, out of the blue, we lost the twins. And that was a moment where I was mourning the loss of my twins. But that was a moment where I had to pause. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before that I was going back to back on the cycles because, as everyone knows who does this, you feel like you're going against the clock, right? You yes, have this yes. pressure of time with your clock ticking and the age of your eggs and all of it. And so during this morning process, it finally gave me an opportunity to face all the things that I had been pushing in the back of my mind and not addressing. Mm -hmm. And that's when I finally felt physically better a little bit. I mean, I was in a depression, of course, but Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when it was time to figure out, okay, like now I feel like I can think about this again. Are we going to try again the same way we've been doing before? Right. And it was the hardest decision to own up to the fact that I couldn't do it anymore. And Mm -hmm. we had always entertained the idea of adoption as a way to build our family because of our limited resources. So we ended up pivoting to international adoption. We went with a program that was super short, probably because of the fact that they were blind referrals and you had to live in Kazakhstan for a month. So we were able to do the whole process in about a year and then we met our son out there and he was 10 months old and we brought him home and it was amazing Uh, after all of those years to finally become a mother. And after a year of enjoying him, we decided, okay, let's do this one last time. We decided to use a facility and we became pregnant with twins again. And because Mm -hmm. they couldn't really diagnosed what happened last time, aside from calling it an incompetent cervix. They did a surclash where they did a surgery to close up my cervix, put me on modified bed rest for the entire duration of the pregnancy. And I was able to successfully carry the twins. So there I was, a mother of three. We had all these frozen embryos, but couldn't carry again. And we couldn't do surrogacy right away. So we saved Mm -hmm. up and that's why there's this big gap of five years between the next set of twins. And we Mm -hmm. found this amazing surrogate who is our angel and we adore her. And she carried a set of boy twins for us. And then most Mm -hmm. recently we went with a different surrogacy agency and we had a few remaining embryos left and we thought, okay, well, let's see what happens with these last ones. And Mm -hmm. now we have three month old Mm -hmm. twin girls. And so that, is my story of my modern day family and showcasing that there are many different paths to parenthood, definitely not the way I thought it would happen, but I've written about it a lot. All of it is sort of bound together by love. And so that's the undercurrent and that's what the similarity, despite the different paths, that's the similarity that binds us all together.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I'm sorry for your loss. And thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that with us. And congratulations on the newest members of your family. Yeah, Thank you. they're so sweet. With your story, everyone has an idea of what their path to family looks like. How did you handle the grief that maybe comes with the idea that you have to change the plan? How did you handle that?
1: That's a good question. The first change in plans with pivoting to international adoption, I, I think I was just so, I was just so tired. And after doing that many years of back-to-back cycles and not really addressing it, like all of that weight was on me. So I don't know that I I was thinking very like clearly on it. Mm -hmm. I was just more focused on the fact that I just could not stand the idea of doing this being IVF. Right. Whether it was a fresh cycle, a frozen cycle, I just could not do it anymore. And part of that was exhaustion. Part of that was fear. Mm -hmm. I was so scared after that loss that I just, I knew that I wouldn't be able to handle it. Sort of just mentally and emotionally, I wouldn't be able to handle it. And that's part of the reason why we went with international versus domestic. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it is now, but back then there was always a chance that if we went with domestic, that the birth mother could change her mind right at Mm -hmm. birth. And even that idea was just so profoundly sad to me. yeah. And I knew that if that happened, that would be essentially the same thing of like losing a pregnancy for me. Correct. At the state that I was at. So I do not know that I necessarily handled it versus wanting to move on. I guess that was Mm -hmm. the way I handled it. And just wanting to try Mm -hmm. something different because in my mind at that point, we just wanted to build a family. And when you think Mm -hmm. of a family, like we have friends who... Are like family to us. Family mm-hmm. is not just blood. Yeah. Right. Family is what you make. And so at that point, that was what was going through my mind. And then in terms of dealing with the change in plans with surrogacy, that one was really hard. The very first time was hard because you want to be able to do it, you want to be able to have that experience, especially mm-hmm. if you already had the experience of carrying right. children. And so even throughout when I had wrapped my head around it and, and decided that this is what we're doing. And we matched with a surrogate and we went through that process throughout the whole surrogacy process while she was pregnant. I still battled with these thoughts of, first of all, thoughts about myself and my self-worth and how <laughs> doing this process said about my ability to be a mother, to be able to do the things as a woman that I thought I should be able right. to do. But, you know, slowly over time, I was of course, happy that we were able to do this. Not many people are able to do it. And I was happy with the relationship that we were building and that everything was going well. But, you know, you always have those thoughts in the back of your mind that sort of just nip at you and just are always speaking to you. So I just constantly had to remind myself of what this end goal was, what it was that we believed family to be against the thoughts that I was having. And so that's how I dealt with that whole process of surrogacy. (laughs)
0: yeah and I think it's important that you recognized that you needed to pause, like you said, for your mental and physical health, because, like you said before, it's this constant pressure of we have to go. You have to go. you have to go. The clock is ticking, and you feel all that pressure, but you really have to pay attention to really what's going on with your self at this moment, right? So I think that's really important. You have a really large family now, right. yep, and I can yep. imagine that you have to navigate a lot of misconceptions about your family. You may hear things that are the negative comments and because people don't know your story looking in. Of -hmm. course, some of those in the fertility community do, but so they may say some
1: things. How do you handle things that could be triggering or comments that are upsetting? Even to this day, that was part of the reason why we kept the fact that we were doing adoption, why we were doing surrogacy. Any of those things, we weren't very public with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were doing it at a time where it wasn't really big on social media. This was back like 10 years ago, right? Or more, actually. And so it wasn't something that you really heard a lot about. So that was part of the reason. And the other part of the reason was because I didn't want to hear people's comments about it. Yeah. Because people always have their opinions that they feel like they need to share with you, whether it was solicited or not. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it comes across as hurtful because <laughs> you're going through the journey yourself and every little thing can sort of trigger you and make you feel bad because you're already feeling bad. You have to go through this yeah. process, right? You didn't choose to do this and By having to go through this, you're acknowledging that there are issues that you're having, obviously, because you have to go through this. And that Mm -hmm. never feels good, right? Having to own up Mm -hmm. to that fact. But then having someone make a comment that's judgmental to you. So for myself, what I like to advise clients on what I've written about is there's only so much that you can prepare for and control. So if you know that you're going to an event and we're starting to pick back up on those sorts of Mm -hmm. things, or even if it's just a casual get-together with a friend. If those situations are coming up, then I like to ask my partner to help out. And I remember even doing this with him way back when, because your partner wants to be so helpful to you. But oftentimes there's only a limited amount of things Mm -hmm. that they can do, right? But this is definitely something that they can do. And especially if you're someone who doesn't like to make people feel bad, you don't want to be confrontational. That's just not your thing. You don't even want to get into it because it already put you in a bad space. You can have your partner be that person. Be the person to send the email, send the text, say, hey, we're going to be there. We're kind of going through some stuff. Can we not talk about such and such and be that person to do that? So that kind of helps a little bit. And then in the moment, during those situations where you just can't, I just sort of remind myself, almost like these mantras that I use or affirmations that I use, that what they're saying to me has no, is not a reflection of myself. It is a reflection of them. And so what they're saying should not really weigh so much upon me. That's their thing. Right. just nothing to do with me. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, it's hurtful. So it is going to hurt you. And you acknowledge those feelings and you don't brush it off. You don't put it in the back of your mind. Address it and feel those things. I'm really big about like feeling those things. And there's this stuff about toxic positivity. You know, you feel the stuff and then... Because that's what's happening and you want to acknowledge and go through that process. And then when you feel like you're ready for that next step of the positivity to shift yourself so that you're not affected by this negative space, then you you pull in whatever positivity you need with whatever strategy you have. But that's how I would approach it. Those are sort of two ways to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And it's good advice to bring your partner in and have them involved. I think that's really good advice because like you said oftentimes they want to feel a part of it and how can they help you that's really one way that they can you know infertility unfortunately can negatively impact all of our relationships but most importantly relationship with your partner how did you nurture your relationship through all the ups and downs
1: that's a great question so my husband and i went through a lot of stuff while we were dating and i think that having gone through that really helped us see each other's strengths and mm-hmm. the strength that we would create when we work together, or strength as a couple. And because you know that side of a person, then you have trust, right? You have that trust that they'll be there for you. And it creates a solid bond of love because you've gone through like such tremendous things. Mm-hmm. And by definition, going through the fertility journey, all the things that you have to go through, that's a tough process that yes. um, can either make you or break you, right? I mean, yes. that's the reality of it. But for us, we had that experience and then we were walking into this whole fertility journey. We were able to draw upon that. And that's how I believe like we were able to just support one another. I mean, I'll be honest. I did like what I hear from so many in the community. I took a lot of it upon myself Mm -hmm. and I felt like a lot of it was my fault and all of these things. Those were the realities of what I felt. And so I did internalize it all and, and kept a lot of it on myself because I didn't want to make him feel the sadness. I wanted him to sort of be the positive one that would help us get through mm-hmm. it. But there were moments, especially during the loss, especially during scary moments like the adoption, what, you know, we were in country, that I yeah. would open up and be honest about my fears and how I was feeling. So for me, like, I think that was a way we were able to navigate those challenges, those ups and downs. It was a mix of sort of how I like to process things because we all process differently. But then also remembering that we were a couple and that we needed to be open and honest with one another. So Mm -hmm. it was a mix of
2: all of that.
0: Yeah, I think it's good recognizing each other's strengths is something that it can be very difficult when you're in it. And there's so many challenges thrown at you constantly. And like you said, unfortunately, we women, we tend to put all of it on ourselves, right? We tend to take a lot of it on Did you ever feel disconnected from your body during this process? This is one of the things that can be really common with patients who are going through infertility.
1: Yeah, I felt like my body failed me. Like I couldn't trust my body, especially after the loss. I mean, it was already bad to begin with because I was going through IVF and there weren't any issues that we knew of going into it. Right. (laughs) And so it got to a point that I just was hating my being so much that. Even many years later, after having the three kids, an eating disorder manifested. Mm -hmm. And that really was the culmination of all of this repressed feelings, all of these things that I didn't address about my feelings toward my body, this Mm -hmm. disconnection that I had, the struggles that I had. And essentially what was happening there was I developed bulimia in my early thirties, And Mm -hmm. so I was trying to show myself that I could finally gain back control of my body. When you hear people talk about their eating disorders, Mm -hmm. the primary thing that they're trying to do, they're trying to control something. This felt like it was my opportunity to do that. It took a long time for me to heal. It's always going to be a a continuous process. But I'm learning through this process to give myself grace and to recognize all of the wonderful things that my body is able to do, was able to do. And so shift that perspective, shift that mindset about it about what my body is all about versus how has it failed me and sort of looking at it like that. And of course, yeah, sure, it's easy for me to say after having gone through it, but you still have it in the back of your mind. So this is still a process that I'm constantly having to do. And it all goes back to that idea of like, my body wasn't able to do what it was supposed to do. Learning to love it, love this vessel that I'm in.
0: Yeah, and I think it highlights something really important that I think a lot of people feel once they're pregnant or once they have that baby, everything's going to go away. Miraculously, now there's not going to be any more issues with infertility. We're not going to face all the grief or all these feelings. But, you know, in your situation, a lot of that came years later. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's important to address it while you're going through it. Right. Right. I want to shift a little bit, talk a little bit about your work and the things that you do for women who are going through infertility. But I wanted to also ask you, because now you've had the opportunity to go through a pregnancy without having mindfulness meditation. And now most recently you had a, you know, pregnancy that you used a gestational carrier, but I imagine And then again, this is one of the misconceptions that you don't face a lot of stress. And there's a tremendous amount of stress that you go through. How was the difference between using mindfulness meditation in this current pregnancy?
1: Yeah. And this, then the current pregnancy was during the pandemic as well. Yes. There's that added layer of stress. I wish, and that's why I'm so passionate about trying to make Fertility Mindfulness a thing that people mm-hmm. think about when they're going through their assisted reproductive therapies because it would have helped me tremendously I mean I know hindsight mm-hmm. but it really would have especially as I see how I sort of navigated myself during this very last year you'll see process when people ask me okay so well why should I do this and why should I do this when I'm going through my fertility journey I've never done it before and I don't know how it's going to help me. The first thing is that it moves you from a state of stress to a state of calm. And you know, we're constantly living in a state of stress when we're mm-hmm. going through this process because we're uncertain of what the outcome will be. We're uncertain right. of this current process that we're doing. And then we have all those fears And then are also weighed down by the insecurities that we have. I mean, there's just Mm -hmm. a whole spectrum of things, right? That's causing you to be stressed out. So when you're constantly in a state of stress, it wears down on your body and it has so many negative effects. So if you're able to utilize a mindfulness or meditation strategy, like a breathing technique, actually doing a meditation, repeating mantras to yourself, doing gratitude, these are all different techniques that you can do, then you're Mm -hmm. able to shift. From that fight or flight state, which is what causes stress and Mm -hmm. move yourself into a state of calm. And really, it's something as simple as a breathing technique, because when you're slowing down, and manipulating your breath by slowing it down, it's sending a signal to your brain that, okay, wait, maybe she's not in a life or death situation. Maybe she's Mm -hmm. not as stressed as we thought. Her breath is slowing down. So, okay, so let's slow down the heartbeat. Let's lower the blood pressure. Let's stop making her sweat and like trying to like cool her body. And then all of a sudden your body thinks you're in this rest and digest state. And then all of the different processes that you didn't know about that had turned Mm -hmm. off because you were in a state of stress, now are able to come back on. So your digestive system, your reproductive system, all of these different things get turned back on. So that's a benefit. Definitely. Another one is you tap into awareness. Because, you know, to your question about disconnection, mm-hmm. because you're so f- hyper-focused on trying to conceive, do all the medications at the right time, you start to lose sight of, like, what's happening in the present moment. And what's right. happening in the present moment deals with your awareness of yourself, but your mm-hmm. awareness of your environment and your relationship with others, and your emotional well-being. Like, how am I feeling? And when you mm-hmm. practice mindfulness, mindfulness is awareness. It's Just very simply, that's what it is. It's an awareness of yourself, your environments, everything, right? And so if you have mindfulness, awareness as the foundation for everything in your life, then it touches upon all of those things. And so imagine now if you're aware of how you're feeling today, you wake up every day, you wake up different. You're going through IVF, let's say. You wake up and you're asking yourself these mindful questions. Okay, how am I feeling today? Well, I. Feeling maybe, you know what? Maybe I wake up and I feel really sad. I'm about to go in for some blood work and I don't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And so, being aware of that, you can now at least know, right? Maybe you can tell your partner. Maybe you can tell someone like your counselor, your coach, or you can also pull out your toolkit, whether it's a physical or a mental one. Like, what can I do to boost myself up in this moment? Because I'm feeling sad. Or maybe giving myself a timeout, a pause, so that I can just experience this and then shift to something else. So awareness is great because when you're not aware, you can't solve these issues, right? right. You can't be in tune with what's happening. Another thing is that it's just moving from mm-hmm. negativity to positivity. There are all these mm-hmm. mindfulness strategies that like cultivating gratitude, mm-hmm. where if you are, and I found myself, Feeling this, I felt like I was always just like in this state of negativity. I was just living in this bubble of it and nothing Mm -hmm. was making me happy. I look back now and I don't feel like I appreciated the time that I had. When I Mm -hmm. think about it, there were moments of great stuff with life that perhaps Mm -hmm. I didn't really get to fully appreciate. And so you can use these mindfulness strategies to help you shift. And then the last thing is back to that issue of control. There are so many things we can't control in this journey. Yeah. Path to parenthood, whatever path you take. But, you know, if you feel like, you know, you want to have that control over something, you do have control over your breath, which can shift you in all the ways that I already mentioned. Mm -hmm. And you do have control over your mindset, again, using all of these tools. So when you feel bummed out that, God, this is all out of my hands. I feel helpless. I feel like my life is not my own, my body is not my own. I'm like a science experiment. Mhm. Remembering back that there are something that I have in my control, which come down to is like these mindfulness things, these meditation things of the breath and the mindset.
0: Often when I suggest mindfulness or meditation to patients, I get some people looking at me kind of like, really? Why are you going to suggest that to me right now? Hmm. Um, People that think there's no way that's going to be that powerful. Is that really a big deal? And they think sometimes we only think of doing certain things unless we're really in despair. One of the things about mindfulness and meditation, it should start even when you're not there, right? Because then you have the techniques and the tools that are more likely to come naturally when you're in the state of stress, right? I want to get your thoughts on this. Mindfulness is being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times we push ourselves into the future or to the past because the present moment is very uncomfortable. I don't want to handle, you know, what I'm going through, whether it be a loss or a failed cycle. I just want to go to that next cycle.
1: Yeah. No, I remember that because that's how I was dealing with it pretty much all throughout in the beginning when I was mm-hmm. doing the IVF. I can say this looking back at my own journey in that it's tough. It's tough to face what's hurting you, right? It You don't want to be reminded. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. You don't want to be reminded. Of this, I hear the word failure a lot, like that cycle failed. And when you're saying that cycle failed, what you're saying in your mind is, well, I failed at this yet again. Right. And so you, I get it. Why would you want to sit in that? Why would you want to face that? But the problem is that much like grieving the loss of a loved one, when you don't address it, it gets bottled up and it manifests itself in other ways. So for mm-hmm. myself, it manifested into the eating disorder. For others, it can be just something as feeling detached from the world, feeling Mm -hmm. like things aren't as interesting as they used to be, right? But that in itself is an issue such that if we just take a moment, and I know it's so difficult, but it's also a time for you to just to take care of yourself, to grieve that And I'm not saying to like wallow in despair for a week, but even if you just take like a day after you hear the news where, okay, that cycle didn't work out, just taking a day to to feel it, to just feel whatever you're feeling. And if you need support, like reaching out and knowing that you have all of these things in place on all these people in place to help you up. I remember thinking when I was, mourning the loss of my twins that I never would get out of that pit of despair that I felt Mm -hmm. like I was in that hole of depression. I was just sitting in my room. I felt like I was there in this dark room forever, but you don't want to feel that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. It, It feels good and cathartic to sort of let it out because when you're not letting it out and you're just pushing forward, you're still carrying the weight of that stuff. And that's not to say that if you let yourself cry and feel all the emotions one day, that you're not going to carry it, that like, it's magically gone. It's not, right. it will always be a part of you, and yes. rightly so. But it doesn't feel as heavy because mm-hmm. you addressed it, you confronted it. It's scary, but in confronting it, it makes you stronger, makes you braver, and you're able to use it to move forward and know that you have the strength to have faced not just what happened with that cycle, or that pregnancy, but the fact that you faced all of those emotions. So that would be my advice, given what I went through myself, but also with clients that I guide through with mindfulness. That's great advice. And like you said,
0: it's not easy at the beginning, but in the long run, it's something that can really help you. Someone who's listening right now who's interested, intrigued in how to start practicing mindfulness or starting a meditation practice, but really just doesn't know where to start. They feel like this is not for them. How does someone start?
1: Many times people think that, okay, this is going to require me to be meditating all the time. I don't think I can do that. Like I said, I was that person way back (laughs) when. But, you know, it doesn't require you necessarily to meditate. Although as a meditation teacher, I really am a big proponent of it and I think Mm -hmm. everyone should give it a try. Even if it's just three minutes a day, really you'll feel the benefits of it. So, but if you're looking for something easy to try, a great way to do it is like I mentioned, the breathing technique. Let's say you have a number of appointments coming up or even better, you have your daily injections. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not everyone loves injections. We just get through it. But how about Every time you're about to have an injection, you do a breathing technique. It can be something as simple as like a box breath, which many people might have heard of. It's counting for four seconds for an inhale, pausing for four seconds, exhaling for four seconds, and then pausing for four seconds. It makes a box. It's sixteen seconds. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Say you do it three times before you do your daily shot. You'll put yourself in a better place. You'll feel a little bit calmer going into it. You'll Get the shot, and then that's done. You're mindful. Believe it or not, you're mindful in that moment because when you're breathing, you're focused on the present moment. And the present moment is you breathing. But the beauty of that is that, yes, one, you are moving yourself, you're sending that trigger to your brain that you're trying to move into a state of calm. But at the same time, because you're focused on counting, you can't necessarily think about anything else. You can't think Mm -hmm. about the past. You can't think about the future. You're just there counting and breathing. And that's the present moment. And that, the present moment is mindfulness. It's being aware. And if you were closing your eyes and we're in a quiet space and just focus on that, lo and behold, you're actually meditating because that's what that is. And so the point of doing it with the daily shot is because you want to make it a habit right? You Mm -hmm. want to become mindful every day. And I know that we all have to take shots or do a medication every day if you're going through a cycle. So why not stack it on top of that thing that you already have to do, the thing that already may be stressing you out, right? So if you have them together, you'll always do it. And the more you practice, the more you create that neural pathway in your brain. And the more you'll start to, especially when you're doing it with a shot, you'll Mm -hmm. start to bring the two together, where now, okay, so now it's a little bit calmer doing this shot. Even better, extra points. Do it with aromatherapy, like bring in lavender, which is Mm -hmm. very calming. And if you do that, you'll start to, as you're breathing, feel calm. Then you take the shot, and then you'll start to fuse all of those things together. So that's how I would start, if you've never done it before, but you want to give it a shot. I love that
0: idea, the idea of connecting The breathing with a shot, because a lot of times when you're going to do a shot, you're anxious about, am I going to do it correctly? It's going to hurt. Is it like all these things? So Mm -hmm. once you connect the two, as you said, you're going to now strengthen that neural pathway. So you're going to have less anxiety, less nerves going in to do that shot the next day. Yeah. So that's a fabulous idea. I love it. Yeah.
1: And And the nurses are always telling you, "Okay, relax. It'll feel better going in if you aren't so relax your arm, relax your arm or whatever it is, which if you're doing that breathing, is sort of helping you relax. I like that. I'm going to use that. One of the
0: things about the fertility journey is there's a lot of waiting, a lot of roadblocks that come up when you didn't expect it, which then equals more waiting. And one of the time periods that's the most difficult and often feels like time is standing still is that two week wait. Do you have advice to go through that or other waiting periods on the fertility journey?
1: Yeah, the two-week wait, my goodness, that provokes so much uncertainty. You have so much time to just think, right? And that can be difficult because now you're thinking of all these scenarios and all these things. So what I like to advise clients, like I have a worksheet where you have your calendar for all your medications, right? Just creating this other calendar for your two-week wait where for each day you have something planned. It doesn't have to be anything big either. You can just be like, okay, well, Day one, I'm going to do some breathing for like five minutes. Day two, I am going to do like a facial or I'm going to go to the spa or something like that. Day three, I'm going to journal or try out this new meditation app or something. So having something calming, something where you're caring for yourself Mm -hmm. for each of those days, it gives you something to look forward to. It already builds something into your day where you can bring awareness into your day and possibly move you from a state of overwhelm and stress into a state of calm. That's typically how I like to do it. Because I mean, let's be honest, it is going to be a time where you're just thinking, because Mm -hmm. now everything has already happened where you need to figure stuff out. But if you can infuse little moments where you're able to care for yourself and be mindful and bring yourself into a calmer state, then that's a win for me, because then at least you've You're kind of trying to balance it out, right? You'll still be thinking about the future, but at least give yourself 10, 15 minutes or more where you are just present and taking care of yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea because it is very difficult. I like the calendar because then a lot of times people like to have something written down, what they're supposed to do. It makes you feel more organized Mm -hmm. uh, with your time rather than just this abyss of empty time. Yeah. There can be a lot of triggers, unfortunately, and one of them for some patients might be sitting in the waiting room. What are some things that you can do in a situation that you find yourself in that is potentially
1: triggering? I remember doing that so many times. We're always on our phone, right? Mm -hmm. So... One thing is to have a folder on your phone of call it waiting room stuff. And on there are pictures of affirmations, things that you've pinpointed that you're always thinking about when you're sitting there and waiting and something that will speak to the opposite or speak to something that will uplift you and move you out of whatever it is that you constantly think about. So that's helpful. Another thing is to utilize those breathing techniques. I have free meditations on uh, YouTube. So going to that, instead of scrolling through IG and perhaps Mm -hmm. seeing something even more triggering, and I'm a really big fan of using scents as well because you're just hitting the brain in so many different ways. And so Mm -hmm. if you're smelling a certain scent and you start to pair it with feeling calm, then whenever you smell it, you just always remember, oh, I feel so calm when we were growing up, like we would go into her grandmother's house or someone's house and they were always making for mm-hmm. and you always remember and you always felt good going into the house, whether right. or not they were making that thing. But after a certain amount of time, you always felt good going into that one particular house. That's exactly what you're doing with aromatherapy, which is why I love it so much. Because with scents that automatically trigger these feel-good hormones, such as lavender, if you compare it with that, then you start to bring yourself into a relaxed state. Then you look at that image. Remind yourself of that affirmation or thing that you want to boost yourself up, and then you start to hear the sounds of whatever it is that you're listening to—the meditation or gentle music, whatever—and you've done so many things in this moment of time where you're just waiting, where you could have just been looking at stuff that could um, trigger you even more. But now you feel armed and ready to do what you're about to do. Now was all in your control, so. There are things we can't control. You can't control what's going to happen in that ultrasound room or that blood lab or with your doctor. But all those things that you just did before that I mentioned, that was on you. You did that. You controlled that part of the process.
0: Yeah, you're right. Instagram, we never know what you're going to get. It's like rolling the dice, whether it's going to be something that's going to be triggering to you, even a news story or something. So I think that's Wonderful advice. I wanted to talk a little bit about something that you created called the B Time Method. Can you give us a little
1: bit of background about it and how we can do that? Yeah, everyone is trying to think about, okay, I'm going to do this. I need to do it right. So I need to have this special room. I need to have the special scents and the apps and the candles. You don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about that, because I would constantly get asked those questions, I thought, you know what? I should come up with something that reminds people. This is all you need. So be time. First of all, be like time. And time is fleeting. Time is right now. Mm-hmm. Time isn't in the past. If you're looking at the clock, the time is what's happening right now. And so one of my favorite quotes, even on my business card, is be here now. So be time, be present, be right now. But then each letter stands for something. So thinking about your body in the moment and your breath for the be. And then your environment, you don't need all the fancy stuff. You just need a quiet space or you just need to, if you're in the waiting room, just be in focus as to what you're doing. Right. And then T is thoughts because people are always asking me about Mm -hmm. thoughts like, oh my God, I can't turn off my thoughts. Well, the thing Mm -hmm. is you have like 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Mm -hmm. You're not going to turn off the thoughts and it's okay. What you're trying to practice is, what happens when a thought comes in? Am I going to identify with it? Am I going to stick with it and allow myself to spiral? Or am I going to allow the thought to come in, acknowledge it, and then gently let it go and return back to what I was focusing on, which at that moment I was trying to calm myself before this ultrasound appointment? Mm-hmm. So, thoughts, it's okay. Let them come and go. Just keep practicing it. I is inhale, remembering to inhale slowly and allow that breath to really like fill up within you. M is for a mantra, or you can use an affirmation as a mantra. Like, I am enough. I am doing everything that I can. I am a goddess. I am powerful. Like, all of these things. So a mantra, repeating that helps people ground and root themselves in the present moment. And it boosts up positivity. And then the last E is exhale. And I love the exhale. I love always focusing on the exhale because when you do a really long exhale, you can always feel like you're letting go of, of stuff that doesn't serve you anymore. Stuff that's weighing you down. You're just releasing it through that exhale. So I love the exhale. And so that's the be time method. Just remember to be time, which is right now. You have a download on your website, uh-huh, right? Yeah, to give yeah. a
0: reminder. So something you could put up on your room or a bulletin board at your desk at work. Things to kind of remind you. So I think that's great. Just a, a mnemonic is really a great way to help you remember. Mm-hmm. I personally love guided meditations. And I think that sometimes people think you have to just sit quietly somewhere, but you have so many, you work with different apps and things where you have meditations, you have uh, a course. Can you tell us a little bit about the work
1: that you have available for those who are listening? Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I do have an online course that you can do. It's a fertility mindfulness course. And it's self-paced, and we go through many of the things that we talked about today in further detail, and they have videos with it. So you can learn a lesson on self-compassion, self-love. You can learn a lesson on gratitude. And they're all meditations, wonderfully, that you can do even as you're sitting in the waiting room. You just return back to it and play it, and you go through the steps of learning what mindfulness is, learning how to incorporate it into your fertility journey and then practicing it. You can find that on my website, j@lurie.com. I also on my website have many articles that I've written on fertility mindfulness. So you can check those out with a ton of tips on how to be more mindful and use these strategies along your journey, as well as a podcast that I have called Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility and Parenthood, where I also talk about my own journey in greater mm-hmm. detail, as well as interview other people uh, to get other perspectives, but also to see how they were able to respond to life in a mindful, positive way. And though so I'm on Instagram at Josephine R at Larie, and I am always offering up daily mindfulness tips for everyone to help them out. So thank you. I hope to connect with all of you soon.
0: Yeah, I love your course. Honestly, I think it's accessible to anybody. Some people may not be able to work with you one on one, but you give so much information. You have great videos. so I really encourage everyone to check that out. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you a question that I usually ask my guests in closing. You know, I think that supporting mental well-being is like priority for fertility journey. One of the things that I recommend to my patients is trying to find joy in, in our daily lives because that's something that often gets skipped. We just feel like we can't appreciate joy or can't feel happy. How do you cultivate joy in
1: your daily life? Beautiful question. I love it. So, people think that they have to do something Big, or it has to be like this, this event or something, or I have to do this or that in order to experience joy. But that's not necessarily true, and oftentimes our lives are so busy that we're not able to do that. So, for example, because of all the years of work, I can look at something and it brings me joy. And so, if you can look at something, and this is why I like having that folder of images. They don't mm-hmm. just have to have affirmations and inspirational quotes on there. You can also have pictures. Mm -hmm. in this um, waiting room folder that you have. Images of places that you love, people that you love, things that you love. I mean, you can just look at it and looking at images triggers something in us. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at something that brings back memory or just lights you up inside, that brings you joy. And you didn't have to go buy a bottle of wine or go out and get your nails done. I mean, all of those are great things. Right. But if you want a quick fix of joy and to boost that up, Just look at something that makes you happy. If it's outdoors or it's in your home, even better. But if you have it on your phone, which we always have and we're always looking at, Mm -hmm. then utilize it in that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea because that's something that I did during the pandemic when we couldn't go on trips I would Uh, be like looking at all my old pictures and just imagining the smell and where I would eat and all of that to try to make me feel like I was living the vacation over again
1: (laughs) yeah right exactly I was doing the same thing
0: (laughs) we're waiting for that to happen again but thank you so much I really cannot thank you enough you are a very busy woman and so I really appreciate your time and I hope that listeners learned as much as I did from today so many things that I'm going to
1: use personally in my practice so thank you this is so great. Thank you so much for having me on your show and for all the work that you do. The Fertility Journeys Podcast. Thank you for
0: listening today. Episodes of Fertility Journeys drop every week. Follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at fertilityjourneys.org. Next time
2: on the Fertility Journeys Podcast.
0: Well, today's guest is going to help us learn how to emotionally and mentally prepare when you're going through infertility treatment. Welcome Michelle Bird
1: going into infertility treatment the mindset to know mm-hmm. there will be someone that I love deeply mm-hmm. that I may not have as involved in this process because I have clients who have mothers all the time who can't support them because yeah. they're in pain watching their child in pain mm-hmm. right? so It doesn't mean that they talk to their mother less. It just may be that there's a phrase that we come up with. There's something that we navigate around to say, Mom, you're very much still in my life. We very much have a relationship. But this area right here, I'm going to hold until I have more information to
2: tell you. Simple as
1: that. Mm -hmm. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult with your own physician
2: as information shared on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice.